Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 what's poppin'? How you doing? Welcome to the final Monday night football show of the year. We've made it. 16 beautiful weeks. That is right. There's no Monday night football on week 17. Unless I'm just a stunad and this is the first year that there is. Well, then we're going to have another one after this. I haven't looked ahead that far. I'm just basing this off of my last 24 years of existence on this one. And yes, even as a one-year-old baby with a pea-sized brain. We knew what was going on here in the NFL streets, the NFL DFS streets. We were born to do this. Hope you all had a great holiday weekend, a great time watching the Saturday games. I definitely did. Uh, the Obviously, Christmas games for NBA and NFL and Christmas just in general. So a big disclaimer before we start this off. I will be traveling on Monday morning. Got my flight moved. I will also be traveling on Sunday, though, to actually get to the location where my flight will be. So I'm recording this on Sunday morning, very early on Sunday for a Monday night football slate. So there's no salaries out for the showdown slate yet, but I did go ahead and actually list out the viable starters manually and do all this stuff for you. So again, there's no salaries, which is going to be a big determining factor for some of the players on here. We're going to give you the analysis, the breakdowns. I already have projections out because there's a two game slate. There's a two game slate on DraftKings that takes into account the Sunday night football and the Monday night football games. So I at least have an availability to potentially project these players out because of the Vegas odds and matchups and all that type of stuff. So I'm going to be projecting them out. I already did. The projections I will be referencing off of a second laptop, a second screen here. And you can follow those projections down below on Patreon, rankings, ownership, everything you need for this final showdown slate. And then moving forward, we'll have some Sunday showdown slates on the projections on Patreon. And we'll get right into the NFL playoffs as the massive week 17 slate is upon us. And we'll close out the year with no bye weeks, no showdown slates, every single team playing on Sunday. So sit back, relax, fellas. You know, you know, get the fellas shirt right here. You can see part of it right here. The hoodie down below in the Teespring shop. Sit back, relax. This is your time. It's your time to chill out, relax, max all cool, and just do your thing. 20 minutes or so dedicated to you. Before we get into it, please do, please do, please do hit that like button. Big ol' subscribe button is right now. I need a little bit of a push here, right? Right? It's the end of the year. Everybody was on the holidays. Trust me, I was on the holidays. I was prioritizing family, friends, health, wealth, love, all that stuff. Way over DFS and fantasy sports. Way over that. I get it. Some people might not love their family, so you were prioritizing the other side of it. So I understand if you were not here for the last couple of days trying to like the videos and subscribe and all that stuff, but please do do it today as we are now less than 200 subscribers away from 35,000 hour goal by January 1st, 2021. So let's try and get the little push there. And this video is going to be sponsored by Superdraft. Superdraft is a multiplier format. Like the DraftKings salary, Superdraft multipliers are not out. But for example, what does that mean, Sal? Well, first of all, it means that somebody just won another $8,000 out of the Patreon. They reached out to me via Twitter, continue to win money over there. Somebody has won over now $30,000. Somebody has actually won over $40,000 in profit this year over on Superdraft from our community and a lot more money because there's less professionals over there. People are not prioritizing Superdraft and their projections for that or even using projections in general over on Superdraft, it is a great way to increase your bankroll. Everybody says, what is the best way to increase your bankroll? Well, play smaller field contests on DraftKings because percentage-wise, that is a much better way logistically to increase your bankroll. You're not going to win the 100,000 people tournament for the Millie Maker, but you could win the 500-person tournament or the 100-person tournament or on Superdraft where the, every single tournament is naturally smaller and they don't fill and it's easier competition. It's easier to win over there. Now, for example, Stefan Diggs, if he has a 1x multiplier and he scores 21 points, he's going to get 21 Superdraft points. But, 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 and this is a big old booty. If Gabriel Davis comes out with a 2x multiplier and he scores 12 points, he's actually going to be given a 2x multiplier to 24 points. So his 12 points, which is nowhere near as good as Steph Diggs' performance, actually will perform out better by three points, 24 points because of the 2x multiplier. He'll get 24 super draft points. So it's a pretty fun format. You can check it out. Link down below. My name's Sal, SAL. So go ahead, go over to super draft play because it's going to be a great way to increase your bankroll. What else are you doing here? What are you waiting for? And use my name, Sal, SAL. You get a nice little deposit bonus up to $1,000 in a slow drip 
script format. Again, my name's Sal. I say I let some know that you came for me. I'm excited to get home because Superdraft sent some swag, some Nike polos, some Nike quarter zips. We're going to have those on. We're going to rock those during some of their sponsored shows. So with all that out of the way, again, we have, the only way that this video is coming out, it's either no video or the video without the salaries. And you know, we, could, we don't have to worry about too much about the salaries because either way, and I'll go based on the teams. Instead of filtering it by salary, we'll just go based on the team, starting with the Buffalo players that I think are viable on the slate and then getting down to New England. So starting with Buffalo, Stefan Diggs is going to have a positive 11% matchup. There's no Stefan Gilmore for Diggs to go up against here. So he's going to get probably McCourty. He'll also see on the outside some JC Jackson, 0.79 yards per cover is what McCourty has allowed so far this year. And Stefan Diggs is number one in the NFL with 10.6 targets per game. Now, Devontae Adams actually has more more than that so is Keenan Allen but those guys have missed some time or have been limited this year Keenan Allen leaving a game early being limited in that last game that he played in week 15 and then Devonta Adams missed a couple weeks to start the season off during that first month month and a half of the year so his 30 percent target share is number two in the NFL he's fourth in air yards and he has 10 or more catches in four of his last five games I would guess that both of these guys will be somewhere in that $11,000 range maybe Stefan Diggs comes in a little bit higher somewhere around 11,800 11,600 with his quarterback Josh Allen being a couple hundred dollars less either way I have interest in Stefan Diggs at either of those price points yes it is expensive but there's nobody on this defense in my opinion that could really stop him JC Jackson could be able to slow him down but the volume that Stefan Dig is going to get again. I said 10 plus catches, not targets. 10 plus catches. That catch rate is immensely high. He's fourth overall in air. He's number 12 in yards after the catch. He's doing everything right now in terms of being one of the most productive wide receivers in the NFL. Next up is his quarterback, Josh Allen. That has been great. And I'll see a positive 21% pass blocking matchup because New England is not that good at generating pressure. Only number 20 overall in pass rush. Bottom third of the league, borderline bottom third of the league. Josh Allen this year is a number 20 protection rate on offense. Not great, but again, the pass rush is not good. Nowhere near as good. So he'll actually have time to throw. He's averaging 36 attempts per game and 286 yards per game. That yards per game number is fourth overall. I mentioned this in my Patreon closing thoughts podcast actually for week 16. Again, those Patreon closing thoughts podcasts are going to be an immense help for you if you want to be able to get better at NFL DFS. We'll be doing them all the way up until the Super Bowl weekly Sunday closing thoughts podcast for patrons only. You get a bunch of other stuff on Patreon projections, rankings, ownership, NBA tools, PGA tools. I might be adding MMA tools as well once the NFL season is over beginning of February. So keep a close eye on that. But it's a ton of stuff. 20 pages of game by game notes, showdown information. Check it all out down below patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Betri underscore what I mentioned on there is that you have guys like Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson that are really honestly MVP type players this year obviously Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are playing fantastic but Deshaun Watson has been playing as a top three quarterback this year look at all the stats and Josh Allen has been playing as a borderline top three as well and the way that his team is performing he might actually be having that overall better performance this year because he's winning than Deshaun Watson his 7.8 yards per attempt are not as good as Watson but he's doing a lot of other things as well mainly winning games but 27 yards per game is good to see and he has 20 or more DraftKings points in five of his last six games okay he scored like 19.9 in one of them, but I counted that as 20 in five of his last six games. He's been on right now. 27.2 fantasy points per game on DraftKings this year. Josh Allen, I suspect, again, this is a fun game to play. I suspect when the salaries come out that he will be right up there with either him or Stefan Diggs is the most expensive guy. Maybe you see a Josh Allen touch $12,000. I don't think that the rushing upside has been there enough this year for that to happen. We really have not seen that all that much outside of when Cam Newton was running a lot to begin the year, outside of guys like Patrick Mahomes and he's on a showdown slate. So I'll be thinking somewhere like around 11,800 with Stefan Diggs around 11,600 or vice versa. Either way, Josh Allen is a yes for me. Now you get to Cole Beasley, who is having a career year, who is going to be, and hopefully his agent can get him a nice little extension. He's going to have a neutral matchup against Jonathan Jones in the slot. Jones allows a 67% catch rate this year. Not too shabby at all. Jonathan Jones has been pretty solid in the slot, 
But Cole Beasley has been one of the best slot wide receivers, if not the best slot wide receiver so far this year. He's seeing 7.3 targets per game and lining up in the slot 85% of the time, top five in the NFL. He's number 14 in yards after the catch. And Cole Beasley himself has 10 or more targets in four of his last five games. Very consistent, consistent volume, consistent production on a high catch rate. Cole Beasley, at whatever his price point is going to be, I don't think it will touch $10,000. This is the thing. If Cole Beasley is somewhere around 10000 to 10500 I could stay away from it. I think Cole Beasley is going to be in the 9K range. If he's in the 8K range, it's a value. In the 9K range, it's fine. It's something that I haven't projected right now. If I pull up the Patreon projections, I'll pull them up actually on my phone. I took a screenshot. Again, we're only working off of one screen here. We're getting it all done, though. We're using my brother's lights. Shout out to Stephen Vetri. Go follow his YouTube channel where he talks about sports cards, things like that. But actually, I have to have him on or do some collab content as well because we got all the information, the big facts, the big information, smacking people around to win DFS. There's no doubt in my mind, especially for the NBA, where we know like 12 guys deep on these benches that only got 10 guys on them. We could be winning the big dollar ruskies or actually getting that big ROI on it. I might actually have to check a little bit more out. I was watching him use a uh, star stock while I was home. It looked like a pretty interesting thing in terms of drop shipping these cards and never having to touch them. But Cole Beasley, I currently have projected out for 15.8 DraftKings points, a little bit more than a season average for this game. Cole Beasley for me is going to be an X, meaning that he's a maybe and I have interest in. He's going to depend on price. If he's in the $8,000 range, he's a yes. $9,000 range or $10,000 range, he's not out of play, but he's just an X for me. Now, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I suspect that these guys are going to be in like that 6K range. They're still, still splitting like 50% of the snaps. Singletary had that late big touchdown run. If you're looking at recency buys, you might remember that. Or his fantasy points per game, it's going to spike it up a little bit when he scores 10 points in the final drive out of nowhere, a little bit more than 10 points, get you the bonus as well. Now, these guys, both of them, going to have a positive 32% run blocking advantage against New England run defense. That is not good. Number 23 overall in the NFL and bottom five in yards allowed this year to the running back position. Again, it's still pretty much a 50 50 split back there. In week 15, you saw Singletary see 59% of the snaps, got those closing out the game snaps as well, where he popped off that touchdown. He had 11 touches to Zach Moss's 13 touches. Singletary saw five red zone touches. But Zach Moss has also been involved in the red zone. And in the last two games, Zach Moss has 26 attempts for 124 yards. He's also ran 27 routes, which is a decent number for a guy splitting backfield. But he's seen zero receptions on one target. He's also seen a massive seven red zone touches in the last two games. It really is a coin flip here, but I think Singletary has a little bit of an edge. If these guys are very closely priced, it comes really down to ownership. So if Singletary is like 32% owned and Zach Moss is 24%, I would prefer Zach Moss there. Assuming equal ownership, assuming a relatively similar price point, I'll take Singletary. They are both in play for me, but I much prefer uh, guys like Cole Beasley if the price point is not a dramatic difference. I have a feeling it's going to be like a two to $3,000 difference though, based on how well and consistent Beasley has been and how these guys are splitting a pretty split backfield right now. Next up, we get to the Buffalo Bills defense that look, defenses are fine. They're probably going to come in. I would assume in this matchup as a touchdown favorite against a team that has not been scoring all that much, less than 20 implied points right now, New England team total of 19.5 and Buffalo at 26.5. Again, that seven point favorite. I would assume this D Bills defense, it might come in somewhere around like the $4,000 range, maybe $5,000. They're going to be okay. I think there'll be maybe some value on the slate that we can get to. So they'll be in play for me. The number 22 in total defense, number 32, dead last versus the run, middle of the pack and tackling 15th overall, top five in pass rush and 11th overall in coverage. So that's where you're going to be getting. If you have a good pass rush, normally your coverage should be at least top half of the league because, well, it's just easier for those guys. It's less time for quarterbacks to throw. They will be in play for me. And honestly, Gabriel Davis, if John Brown misses again, well then Gabriel Davis, and he can come off the IR. He was close to coming off last week. So if John Brown is in, Gabriel Davis goes back to being a wide receiver four. We've seen it multiple times this year when John Brown twice already has come back from injury and Gabriel Davis resorts to being a wide receiver four and four wide receiver sets and a backup and three and two wide receiver sets. Now, if John Brown is out, he'll face JC Jackson, which is a pretty brutal matchup, a minus 32% matchup for Gabriel Davis. He'll also see some McCordy on the outside. I don't expect any shadow treatments. He's seen 3.7 targets per game, 10% share, 33% of his snaps, exactly one third out of the slot this season. Here's the issue with Gabriel Davis. He 
normally, and he's been running a lot more routes lately, but he normally on these showdown sites has been overpriced. Again, working out without the prices makes it a little bit difficult for these potential mid-range options. Like if Gabriel Davis is in the 7K range or upper 6K range, he's not going to grade out as that much of a great value. We need to get Gabriel Davis at like 6K flat or below that for me to want to be getting there. So he's going to be a price sensitive play for me. I have him only projected at around eight fantasy points, a little bit less than that actually, 7.8 to be exact on Patreon down below. And also keeping in mind that his ceiling is 15 plus points here, of course, because of the touchdown upside, because of how good this offense is, their team total very close to four projected touchdowns for them. But if he's going to be somewhere in that six game range at projecting around eight fantasy points, I'm probably only going to get to him if he's like $4,400, maybe 5k flat. So for me, Gabriel Davis right now is going to be a price sensitive play. If you see him, you open up DraftKings when the pricing comes out and you already know it, obviously following this $6,600, even if John Brown is out, if he's somewhere around there, I'm probably not going to have interest. If he's in the 4k range, I'll have interest. So he's price sensitive. I'll put him as a no right now because I do think he'll be overpriced. Dawson Knox, look, Tyler Croft was a DNPCD. It is a very familiar phrase if you know NBA. That means did not play coach's decision. He was a healthy scratch. Now you're going to have a minus 27% of matchup advantage for Dustin Knox against Duggar, which is not great, who only allows 0.98 yards per cover this year. It is a smaller sample though, but in the last three games, Dustin Knox finally healthy this year. Croft not playing as much, not playing at all in a couple of those. He's ran 82 routes. He's caught 10 passes for 97 yards and two touchdowns on 15 targets. That's pretty damn good. Assuming that you're going to get Dustin Knox in this 4K range or so, he's going to be in play for me. Not as a slam dunk play, but definitely in play. If John Brown is out, Isaiah McKenzie will operate as the wide receiver four and probably run somewhere around eight to 12 routes per game. He's been running seven and a half routes per game on average this year, but you've seen a couple of double digit routes coming off of a 10 route game. The last time out there, he's seen about a target and a half per game on a 4.5% target share. He only has four total catches over the last four weeks. So at this price range where he'll probably be pretty cheap, maybe 14, 15, $1,800, maybe even cheaper than that. You're hoping that he has that one or two catches and it goes for a touchdown. I'm not going to be personally getting to Isaiah McKenzie as he does not project out good enough for me. I'm currently projecting John Brown not to play. He would have had to come off by, I believe, Sunday since this game is on Monday night, Sunday at four. So as I'm recording this, it's not yet Sunday at four. As you're watching this, maybe he has not already been reinstated off the IR and he's already going to be ruled out. I'm currently projecting him to be out. If he does indeed play though, he'll kind of start ahead of Gabriel Davis. I expect somewhere in the upper 20s in routes run, unless they say he's limited, then you only get 20 routes run. It's going to be likely a fair price point because he has not played in a little while now. If you see JC Jackson, Jackson's only allowed a 54% catch rate. That's been tough. John Brown at 18% target share on six targets per game so far this year. But in his last two healthy games, if he comes back healthy, he is still good. 14 catches, 171 yards on 19 targets. John Brown for me, we have to get more news on this. If he's out, he's out. Then you could just skip right over this one minute spiel on John Brown. But if he's going to be in play and we know that he's not limited to just like 15 routes or 20 routes, I'm going to like it. And also if they say he's limited, that does not mean he's just done, right? That does not mean that at all. You can run 20 or 25 routes and be on a snap count instead of running your normal 30 to 32 routes. And you can be productive if your price point is cheap enough on DraftKings. We will update the projections on Patreon if indeed John Brown is off the IR, activated for the game and deemed ready to play. Now we get to the New England side. And again, please do hit that like button, the big old subscribe and I appreciate you a ton and also go over to my social medias Sal underscore Vetri I'll be putting out a little bit more vlog style content on my Instagram stories over there I want to be able to continue to get the vlogs out I'm going to be hoping to edit one and get one out this week before New Year's and then maybe even do a New Year's vlog on the YouTube channel right here I like doing those if you're listening on the podcast we do some vlogs we've done three so far over the last in October we did three haven't done one in like a month and a half I have the footage just try and get it edited but Instagram will be doing some mini vlog stuff and then Twitter a lot of information there that I like to post out a lot of stuff that is very specific to fantasy embedding but also some other stuff as well. Some of the other interests that I have that I think a lot of people like to kind of just partake in, whether it's real estate talk or whatever it might be. But you can check that out at Sal Vetri DFS over on Twitter. Be sure to follow over there. Now, 
Cam Newton, just a 19 and a half team total is not great. Cam Newton, I expect because of his rushing upside to be in that 10K range, maybe to be $10,600, $10,800, somewhere around there. He's going to have a minus 16% pass blocking advantage because look, his protection rate, number 26 overall for a quarterback this year that has taken at least a couple of snaps, not great. And he faces a top five Buffalo pass, just the one thing that they've been very good at this year. He's attempting 25 passes per game, just 183 yards per game, but he's been relatively efficient, slightly above league average at 7.3 yards per attempt, but you know what you want out of him. You want the rushing upside, 38 yards per game and 11 rushing TD these leads the NFL. So Cam Newton for me is in play as I suspect if you want to play Stefan Diggs this week that playing him with Josh Allen is going to give you correlation but it's going to be very expensive. You might be getting somewhere like a $1,000, $1,400 discount off of Josh Allen to play Cam Newton. I much prefer Josh Allen if that's the case still, but Cam Newton will definitely be in play for me. Just prefer Josh Allen right now. Jacoby Myers is somebody that I have projecting out pretty nicely. And he finally, I mean, he's been yo-yoing back and forth, but continues to see these big target shares. It's just a matter of if he can get that production. Likely going to see a tough matchup this week, but he's not playing on the outside anymore. So he's not going to see Tredavious White, right? Since Nikhil Harry came back from injury, it's now Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry primarily controlling the outside. As long as those guys are healthy and nothing comes up over the next 24 hours uh, before the game starts. So in the slot, against Tyrone Johnson, he'll see a positive 6% matchup. He's seen seven targets per game on a 26% target share so far this year. And he's played about 43% of his snaps out of the slot, but that is skewed because there were weeks where Nikhil Harry wasn't active and he just was forced to play in the outside and they put Gunner in the slot and really ran some two tight end sets. Now he's seen five or more targets in four straight weeks. In week 15, you saw, again, 100% of the snaps, which he's done now in back-to-back weeks, seven catches on 10 targets, 111 yards. The big upside week came out of him in that week where he goes over 20 DraftKings points. Jacoby Myers at this price point and knowing that he's going to get the nice matchup to not have to face uh, Levy Wallace, Levi Wallace, that is, on the outside, not have to face Javius White, be in the slot for probably the far majority of this game. It makes him easy catches, high convertible catches as well when it comes to the catch rate. He's been good after the catch. He's going to be a yes for me. We like these wide receivers on showdown slates. We like Stefan Eggs. We like Cole Beasley. We like John Brown if he's in. We like Jacoby Myers because wide receivers have massive upside on showdown slates. They are much more variant than running backs, right? They have a lot higher ceiling than running backs, and we like that for showdown captain options. We like that for showdown slates just in general. Getting to the running back position for the Patriots now, it's going to be a little bit shaky here. Damien Harris is going to be questionable for week 16. They're going to have a massive, massive run blocking advantage, positive 83% according to Pro Football Focus against the dead last ranked run defense of the Buffalo Bills. Expect 12 to 15 touches here. Again, they're playing from behind as a touchdown underdog and Damien Harris does not stay on the field in passing down situations, right? He only has one game over 20 total touches this year and that was 22 carries. He's not going to get you there in the passing game at all. So expect 12 to 15 touches, assuming that they play from behind. Expect most of the red zone work if he is indeed active. That all being said, Damien Harris, he continues to be overpriced. Like he continues to be like 7 or 8k on these showdown slates. I think he'll finally hit the 6k range at this point, but he's not going to be in play for me because Sony Michelle is back and Sony Michelle is seeing touches. Uh, Damian Harris did get banged up in that last game, so it's a little bit skewed, but he's seen nine or more touches in three straight games. He's seen 27 attempts in the three games since he's been back, and Sony Michelle is actually running a little bit more routes three routes, six routes, and nine routes over the last three games, increasing each week. He'll have that same positive 83% matchup in this spot. He's been seeing limited red zone usage because Damian Harris is there, and also Cam Newton is getting a lot of goal line and red zone work. So Sony Michelle, for me, if Damian Harris is active, there's no shot. Like I think he sees eight carries. He probably sees no receptions, no targets. He probably sees eight carries on a good day for like 40 yards. And that's not going to get it done unless he finds the end zone, honestly, probably multiple times. Sony Michelle, if there's no Damian Harris, I think starts to see that 12 to 15 touch roll, probably runs somewhere around 10 routes, maybe sees a target 12 to 15 touches. If he's priced fairly, if he's priced in that three or 4k range can become a little bit more appealing right now, though, I only have Sony Michelle projected for 5.9 fantasy points, but that's assuming that his teammate is going to be active as if his teammate is going to be out. Then he starts to project 
project out closer to eight or nine fantasy points, and maybe he starts to become a play if you're looking for value. I would prefer Demir Bird. I would prefer Nikhil Harry if they're going to be similarly priced players. So right now we're putting Sony Michelle as a no as a touchdown underdog with not that much of a passing game role. Now the one running back that you suspect on paper to have a passing game role is James White, who's only seen five attempts in eight receptions. So only 13 total touches in the last three games. But he has been averaging 5.9 yards per attempt when he touches the ball. So that's good to see. That provides some upside from an efficiency standpoint on a per-touch basis. He's just not getting the volume. We need you to get that volume. Fill up our cup. Let's get fucked up. You know what we're saying, James? Like, give us, give us the juice. Give us the sauce. Let us get saucy. Let us produce out there. Let us win the Dalaruskis. You're holding us back, James White. It's been like this all season. Now the game script should favor White here, but he only ran 12 routes last week when the game script favored him. He only ran 18 routes in week 14, right? These are decent for a running back, 18 routes run, but he's still in the three-headed backfield. Damian Harris is out. Maybe it helps a little bit there. I suspect they'll probably have somebody else active. Like, I mean, Jacob Johnson, who's like a former tight end and fullback, continues to run routes as well for this team out of the backfield. JJ Taylor will probably resurrect from somewhere as well. But James White at this point, I think he's going to probably be overpriced in the showdown slate. If he's in that four or five carry range somehow, even the low six range. I'll have some more interest. James White not going to be completely ruled out in this one because I do think there's the upside that he does see four attempts on the ground and at least eight targets. And those are highly convertible plays if he's a fair price. But now you get to these Patriots wide receivers that they're going to be in tougher spots on the outside against Levi Wallace. Against the secondary guys like Poindner and obviously Tredavious White is going to be up against Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird, right? It's a bad spot for these guys, whether it's Demir Bird or really whoever they face, Tredavious White, a negative 39% advantage for these guys. Levi Wallace, a negative 20% advantage. In Demir Bird's case, he's seeing five and a half targets per game. He's only out of the slot 7% of the time. So he's basically going to see those guys in difficult matchups the entire game. He's seen three or more catches in six of his last seven games though. These Patriots wide receivers, it's going to probably be a tough slate when you're trying to look for value. Jacoby Myers, I think will be a little bit more expensive based on his production this year and over the last two months. Then Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry. We had a slate earlier this year where both Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird were below $1,000. I don't think that's the case again, but if DraftKings just said, screw it, let's give some value on the slate and they're both below $1,000, well, then they're both definitely in play. I prefer Demir Bird though, if they're similarly priced. Now, if you get these guys, let's just say in like the $3,800 range or the $3,600 or $3,400 range. They're both going to be in play for me. Again, I do prefer Demir Bird, who's just seeing more usage per game right now. And he's just been producing more with Cam Newton, especially downfield. So Demir Bird, depending on the price point, is in play. Again, if he's like below $2,000, he'll actually become a yes for me. Right now, I don't have these guys projecting out for anything insane in fantasy points per game. I currently have Demir Bird projected out for more points than Nikhil Harry, but nothing crazy. It's around 0.8 more. So if they're similarly priced, give me Demir Bird. If it's going to be like a $1,000 or $2,000 difference, I'll take the savings on Nikhil Harry, who's averaging 4.7 targets per game in the slot about a third of the time, 35%. He only has six catches over his last four games though, and he has not top 10 fantasy points since week 10. 5.6 yards per target is atrocious. He's not getting downfield usage, 113 yards per target this year. Again, if the price points are at all relative, I'm going to be taking Demir Bird there, but they'll both be in play for me. I do think that Nikhil Harry will struggle a lot more against these cornerbacks than Demir Bird, because Bird at least has some speed and can get downfield, where Nikhil Harry is going to be lacking that and really have to do stuff after the catch, which he has not done all year long. Patriots defense will be in play for me just because it lacks value this slate right now. Patriots defense number 20 overall. They're going to be good at the fundamentals. Number five in tackling around middle of the pack and coverage. That's going to get worse now without having the former defensive player of the year last year and Stephon Gilmore there. Bottom third of the league in run defense and 20th in pass rush. Then you get these tight ends for the Patriots who have not been good. Ryan Izzo still in the IR. Both of these guys are rookies. Dalton Keene, more so a run blocker, but actually running more routes now than Devin Asiasi, who was more of a pass catcher in college. A minus 22% matchup against Klein for both of these guys. A 74% catch rate is allowed by Klein, but these guys are just not seeing the volume or downfield usage. Dalton Keene ran his first routes and played his off 
first offensive snaps outside of blocking in week 15 since week seven when he ended up seeing 16 routes run pretty decent one catch on two targets 55 percent of the snaps he actually had it close to an end zone target he was like uh, he was missed on like the one or two yard line might have got into the end zone or not on it either way it's not high usage for these guys these guys will project out for like a fantasy point and at their price points of likely 200 to less than a thousand dollars it's not in play Devin Asiasi had the more of a pass catcher's role in college but he's only ran 16 total routes this year he did deal with a lot of injuries and has for most of the season the last two weeks though Devin Asiasi has seen two targets but has not converted any of them I'm playing 42 and 51 percent of the snaps expect low usage here for these guys expect more so the game to be going through some of these like honestly tight ends and fullbacks like Jacob Johnson like James White and some of the other running backs the kickers they're not yet on the slate because they're not on the two game slate where I could pull the salaries from and really just the player IDs from to get their names to populate so the kickers for me again it's the same no matter who the kickers are though I'm fine getting to kickers I usually get to at most one in my lineup but I'm also fine getting to zero we have we'll have the projection for the kickers uploaded on Patreon before this game starts any updates as well to the Patreon projections based on news for guys like Damian Harris or anything else John Brown anything else that might come up we will have it over there so be sure to check it out link down below thank you so much for tuning in to the Monday Night Football video where we had to guess the salaries a little bit because hey there's either no video or this and this is basically the exact same thing the salaries when they come out those were kind of solidify my interest we will be going live at 6 p.m east coast time for this Monday Night Football slate so be sure to like subscribe and the notification bell will let you know when we're going live so I can answer your questions totally free here on YouTube like and subscribe before you go check out Superdraft and Patreon down below to support this channel Superdraft promo code Sal S-A-L get you that free money bonus up to a thousand dollar ruskies thank you everybody I'll see you on the live stream at 6 p.m east coast time have a great rest of your day and best of luck on this slate if you're not going to be tuning in